This episode of Pots v. Pete's was originally recorded July 10th of 2019. It is now being posted on October 10th, 2019. Sorry about the delay, folks. There was a big, huge hubbub about the about Marvel and Sony and them splitting up, and I thought this whole episode uh, became outdated and no good anymore, and then all of a sudden, all that stuff was fixed up, and everything became relevant again. So, you know what? I'm just going to post the episode before they accidentally screw it up again. Uh, Mr. Galusha, take it away. Kirk Peterson. And I'm Alex Potabom. And we're here for another episode of Pots Eats The Marvelous Morons. <laughs> we're together again. We're here for another Marvel movie. And I'm excited. The last one for a while, I think. Last one for a while. Which is... Ho- uh, not hopefully, I but think. finally. You know, we keep saying that every episode. I think. It's like, well, this is it. Well, this this is they've they've released three this year. I don't think they're going to release another one this year. That would be that be that be weird. weird. But what if they do? Um, what if like at at Comic Con they're just like, oh, I by the way, here's them. the next one for this year. And people, by the way, here's Iron Man four, and you're like, hey, God, wait, <laughs> like, but wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that would that people in the world would go nuts. I would go nuts if it's Spider Man four or three, whatever. Whichever movie we just got done watching. You know, I'd go nuts if they even announced Amazing Spider-Man 3. Like, I was listening to, like, some talk about it today. And it's like, you know what? I would like to see that finished. Like, we know know Spider-Man's in good hands with this stuff and and with the animation crew. You know, just just finish out Amazing Spider-Man, you know? At least in comic form. Finish the real series, which is Spider-Man Four for the Raimi head like series. He why not finish that? He wanted he wanted Vulture for that one, right? Yep. He wanted just Vulture, and people were like, "That's not a good enough villain." And he's like, "Well, then I'm not your good enough director." And he just quit. No, he kind of got the axe too. Uh, I think he wasn't playing ball with um, with Ari. the Sony heads. Yeah, um, which is. Seems to be pretty typical is they hire really good people and then uh, Ari kind of ruins it and then they kind of had to go, then they had to hire a new person. Right. So, yeah, fun times. <laughs> yep. So, there you go. So today we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home. And it's a good thing you said Far From Home because I will probably accidentally call this Homecoming a couple times. Um, How dare and you. And since this is... Far From Home, and Homecoming was the first one. What's the third movie going to be called? What's another uh, What's another Home Home thing? Alone. Home Alone. No. Can you imagine they, a Home Alone version with Spider-Man like the Sinister Six are trying to break into Anne-Mae's house? So Spider-Man has to come a bunch of traps to stop these Sinister Six, also known as the Wet Bandits. <laughs> like... Which is a bunch of like, you know... Did you say web bandits or web Web bandits. bandits. Now they're the web bandits. <laughs> I said web, but now they're web bandits. So it's the web bandits <laughs> who are coming in there 
that now that his secret identity has been revealed, spoiler alert, they all know who he is, so they're going to try and get into his house, and he has to do a bunch of shenanigans to try and keep them out. And it'll, it'll work, too. You know, everybody loved Skyfall so much, which was the James Bond version of Home Alone, so. And, folks, if you're listening to the first time, uh, or, I don't know, any time, I guess, this is going to be a full-on spoiler review of Far From Home. If you haven't seen the movie yet, then you just don't care. You just need to see Avengers Endgame first anyways, which is the real spoiler movie, because this one is entirely based off of that one. So... So, let's go ahead and start talking about the movie in general. Remember, spoilers for everything. Before we get into it, do you have any... You know, anything to say about the history of this movie or, you know, any stories about seeing the movie at all? The only thing I can say was I think uh, I, I ended up seeing the second time I saw this, I ended up seeing this really weird, um, it's called ScreenX, where it's like literally they have a projector in the front and then they have oh. like projections on the side. So like on certain scenes, it looks like it's a full, like almost 360 view. Interesting. And I don't know if I liked that or not. I not it's the screens were not like as good a quality as the other ones and at times almost feels like it cropped unnecessarily cropped the image shorter to give it like like the only time it really worked super well was the trippy mysterio scene that was awesome looking like that that was so cool the rest of the movie Eh, but that's all I've got. So uh, if don't pay extra money for Screen X. Just go Fair see enough. it normally. I actually person. have high. I had high hopes for this movie quite a bit, and I will tell you why. As a young lad, oh, who plays Spider-Man Two, the movie adaptation video game, for the first time, and really diving deep into this very strange character with the fishbowl for a head. And me going, holy crap, I didn't know this character was this cool. Now, the character I, of course, am talking about is Mysterio. And, yes, that, actually, that wasn't my first encounter with Mysterio. He was also a villain in the first Spider-Man video game, the, PS, the PlayStation uh, video game. And, like, from the first game, you know, you wouldn't know what his superpower is because, like... He like he's uh, pretending to be Spider-Man for a good portion of the game, and he's trying to blackmail Spider-Man and and his endeavors. Spider-Man eventually catches up to this fake Spider-Man, and you find out it's Mysterio. Oh crap! And then Mysterio becomes super big, and then you have a boss battle with him as a giant. And as oh, that's dumb. Yeah, as an eight-year-old, well, it wasn't dumb. It was really cool. But as an eight-year-old, I just assumed he was just like. His superpower is that he can change his size and maybe his appearance because he was sabotaging Spider-Man. So I guess that means he can change what he looks like, too. And eventually I got the Spider-Man guidebook, which goes through like every major villain and like every major story arc. So like I became a Spider-Man fan kind of by proxy like that. I haven't read too many of the major arcs, but I know of them because of this guidebook. I know of the clone saga i know of aunt may dying i know of uh, a couple other major events gwen stacy's death uh through this through this book 
And so Mysterio, they're just like, Mysterio is a movie prop guy who can create illusions for Spider-Man. I'm like, that's his, that's what he does? It's like, oh, that's amazing. And then so when Spider-Man 2 finally came out and they stayed true to that vision and made this what at the time was probably the best like mind-bendy scene in a superhero video game. Because what happens is... You find him at first as Quentin Beck, and then once you beat him, he, you know, starts licking his wounds and, and like, and learns his lesson. Except he doesn't because he doubles the fuck down and becomes Mysterio later on in the game. And the the way they did Mysterio is that he's trying to fool everybody that there's a huge alien invasion going on in the city. So he is the stereotypical alien guy. It's he actually got one of the major cinematics of the game, so he actually looked really good too, with like really good flowing animation and stuff like that. Then once you beat that version of him, he sends you to like this GPS device. He's like, Hey, you missed a spot or something like that. And you go to his apartment and you go into this huge, like carnival masery of, of weird special effects. Uh, at one point there's a hall of mirrors and a bunch of Spider-Man comes out and attacks you and you have to fight off all the Spider-Mans using your own Spider-Man abilities. And that's when I knew Mysterio was absolutely my favorite villain. So, I had high hopes for this movie. Or at least high expectations. Because I knew who Mysterio was. And I had a long history of nostalgia for this character with the various medias. And every time Mysterio shows up in something, you know, I always perk up. And it's like, oh, no way. Spoiler alert for a book that's also almost 20 years old. Guardian Devil's main twist is that uh, Mysterio has been messing around with... Uh, Daredevil's Mind, and that was a really great reveal. Uh, you, do you remember that book at all? Yeah, I remember that one well. Yeah, you, did, did you like that reveal as a Spider-Man fan? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. I know there's certain people who hate the fact that Mysterio uh, is killed in a Daredevil book rather than a Spider-Man book, so I don't, yeah, I don't know if you were I, on that, that part's That part doesn't work as well, I don't think. Um, it's just not... The other thing is, it was that book was so long delayed that he came back to life before he died. So, <laughs> oh uh, no, That's yeah. Horrible. So it was kind of like an extra, like cool. This it had like literally no impact whatsoever. So it's like, was it really necessary then at that point? Like he could have just gone to jail. Like I did, I did not know that history of it. So that yeah. too bad. I just know it as itself, you know, by itself as a trade. And by itself, yeah. It's a, uh, by it's a itself, good story. it is fantastic. Um, like I said, I I could go either way with him having killed himself. Um, but in general, he uh, was he was a good utilized character for Daredevil. No, yeah, they did a really good job of, like setting that up, and like you wouldn't suspect it because it's not one of his usual Daredevil's usual yeah. villains. But at the same time, like it makes sense. Like they're both they both live in New York. Like of course they'd show up. Like, and I can't remember the reason why Spider-Man was gone at the time. Um, they were setting, he was setting up this plan, so he just, like, before he was gonna die of cancer or something like that, so he just finds the next villain and is like, oh, I fought Daredevil once, I'll do that. Right. Which is the perfect loser move for a loser like Quentin Beck. Right. And he's so, it's so perfect because he is this grand 
theatrical villain. And he also is somehow one of the loser villains. But he still yeah, he still messes with Peter the best, I think. Um, I mean, uh, I haven't read the major stuff, so maybe not so much in the He's books. never, let me put it this way, he's never done anything major. Um, gotcha. So, which puts him in the league of a lot of Spider-Man villains, which is I really love the concept of him, but the execution is never as good as I well, want I it to be. Well, I will say I have so, read his first appearance. Uh, there's a big omnibus that collects, like, the first... 20 issues of amazing spider-man so i've yeah. read i've read that and that was a great story oh yeah he starts off great it's just yeah it's hard to do stuff with him there's some decent ones but it's just hard to do stuff with him well it's uh the in in the books you could never have mysterio go all the way with his actions because he never knew who spider-man was like that identity secret and in this one, they automatically just like, you know, whatever. They're yeah, like, there's only so Peter much Parker. you can do to trick somebody who you don't actually know who they are. Um, yeah, and that's kind of that. And I think it's hard to set up uh, what's a story that's just different. Of, oh, he was being tricked right. the whole you time. Like One good way. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's kind of like, I feel like the Riddler, which, um, but with even, even harder to have character development on because... The Riddler has, like, a different pathos, whereas Quinn Beck is just an angry man. Um, so, yeah, it's... But you have to have that high level of coming up with an entire plan to trick somebody for multiple... For a long period of time to make it effective, but also give a good reason by, like... It's it's just a lot of work that I can imagine. I don't... Right. It doesn't surprise me that a lot of people don't use him. And even after you realize that he's the one that's in charge and creating illusions and stuff like that it's still hard to connect the dots because it's like well wait a minute how does that make any sense and yeah and you know it's pro and yeah guardian devil is probably the one that has done it flat out the best which is interesting because there's a lot of kevin smith haters out there and yes i'll probably go on record saying other than some other things uh this was probably the best guardian devil was the best mysterio story uh in the comics, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. I don't. I don't know many without it, so I wouldn't. Uh, First issue. Um, I haven't read this issue, but apparently, uh, I watched a YouTube video that was like the history of Mysterio. There was one where he th- made Peter think he shrunk him down to size in this carnival thing, in like this model carnival he has, and he is like walking around trying to stomp on. Uh, Spider-Man with his hands or whatever. That's fantastically stupid. I love it. <laughs> well, what's what's even stupider, Potabomb, is that he did not shrink Spider-Man down to size. He had a giant Mysterio robot and put him in a real carnival. <laughs> I was just even, like, I, I have to read that issue. That sounds even amazing. Dumber. I love it. I love that so That's... much. That's so stupid. It's genius. <laughs> like, convincing somebody you shrunk them by just building a giant robot of yourself to smash them in a real carnival. So you didn't even, like, build a new carnival. You just built a robot. <laughs> and so just, like, straight up decide, like, you know what? I have a giant robot. Why do I need a contact? I'm just going to smash you. Like, you thought, no, no, I got to make him believe he shrunk himself. And then I'm going to smash him. <laughs> like it a sounded amazing. I love that. So you you brought yeah. up the Riddler. 
So, like, I don't feel as bad making the Batman comparison then. One of the other reasons why Mysterio is my favorite villain is because he has the arrogance of Riddler. And he has to think and continues to think that he's the smartest man in the room and that everybody has to pay attention to his words. And he's just so frustrated that nobody acknowledges his genius. Mix that with the illusions of Scarecrow and you have Mysterio. Yeah, as one concrete uh, in the comics, and, I don't think he has that much of a good pathos. Um, but yeah, that's that would be a really good Mysterio, like like per se this Mysterio. So we're on our way to the goods. We've decided on a coin flip that I am to go first, and yeah, you can bet your fucking ass. My number one good for this movie is Mysterio, Mysterio, Mysterio. Shit, you can take all three spots. I don't care. I can't believe, you know, with all that buildup and setup in history for this character, I had so much expectations, and I could not believe that they 100% did him correctly. That's everything. Oh, this is so good. Everything like, I ever wanted out oh. of Mysterio. Uh, you know, yeah, oh. I've heard some criticisms, and it's fair. It's kind of lame that he's more or less a Tony Stark villain. It's kind of lame that he kind of worked at a, you know, Tony Stark's uh, company before a movie studio. But, you know, you got the same conceit. Nobody's listening to his brilliance, and he's going out to show everybody the potential of his genius. And on top of that, you get the illusions. With illusions that he created, by the way, which yes. makes more sense than he was a movie props person, that he created a high-tech, because you can see through movie props right. no matter how good they are, but, like, advanced augmented reality stuff, that right. makes a lot more sense. In, in the world of this, but I, I love the fact that they allude to the idea that he is a movie guy by having him wear a motion capture suit. More or less, as is kind of he's quote unquote super real theatrical suit. too. He's super like, theatrical. Everything about it's just theatrical. I wonder if Jake Gyllenhaal like made up a backstory that's not conveyed in the movie that he's like, oh yeah, he wanted to pursue acting and you know theater stuff, but then maybe he just did it in college. Yeah, as, like some funsies and figured out he was good at it, and right. so he just kind of kept up his skills in the local theater. Uh, Something like, like you know, that. Just kind of kept doing it. I was hoping you'd be better at it, and that was always a fallback on his career in case this augmented reality thing didn't work. Right. But then it actually worked out, and then, you know, but then it got relabeled Barf and he got fired, so then he just decided to, like, give his life to vengeance. Yeah. But he still does lo local community acting <laughs> on the side. Exactly. That's why he was really in London, was so he could just make sure that certain areas would get trashed, and Mysterio could perform Hamlet with... With his fishbowl as the skull. Oh, without a question. And even without that kind of backstory, you still get the, you know, it's just a genius dude who's, you know, bought into his own hype. You know, very much like yeah. um, Tony Stark. You know, it's just another evil Tony Stark. And yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, I could not be more satisfied with the illusions. And yes, that is the main takeaway. The illusion, the main illusion scene is the best thing I could have ever hoped for. And, like, I'm very ecstatic. There was a bunch of different directions they could have gone with this Mysterio, and they've had a track record of not adapting the villains as they are. For the most part, for the better. 
people are very mad about the Mandarin, but you can't, yeah. you know, there's no good reason to do Mandarin as he is in the books. No. Uh, obviously, comic Thanos has his uh, fan base, but, like, it's dumb. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Infinity Gauntlet is a really stupid story. <laughs> I'm so... Yeah, it's really not that great. Um, Ego the Living Planet has gotten, adap- ad- like, adapted so much better. Otherwise, just instead of being just an angry yeah, planet... I don't know. Okay, uh, so that's a good question. Who, like, out of the MCU is basically well adapted? Because, like, you can even make arguments that Iron Man's not adapted from the books. It's just Robert Downey Jr. And, yeah, people like that a lot better because it is better. I'm sorry. Yep, it's uh, Captain America's pretty faithful. Uh, so is this Spider Man. Okay. Um, yes, this Spider Man. Yeah, a lot of the heroes are pretty close in the most part. Um, it's just like storylines. Like they'll, it's like they take the core of everything and then they tweak it. Um, they're yeah. more likely to mess with the villains, though, for sure. Yeah, but... the villains for sure. They just keep either their powers or they keep their like uh, motivations, but they never like. I, I assume Killmonger has to be pretty close. Yeah? I don't remember. I don't think so. No, I think that okay. was pretty different. Loki? How about Loki? Is Loki's he pretty, pretty similar. Yep. Okay, so yeah. Loki, Loki's got to be good. And look at that. That's like everybody else's favorite villain of the MCU. So maybe there is something to adapting it properly. Uh, like, Vulture had nothing to do with Vulture, but Vulture is very boring. You know, Vulture... Yeah. Vulture is the villain that you use to set up the next villain, you know? It's just like, oh, yeah, I was in the middle of the street fighting Vulture today, and then something else happened. Yeah. Yeah, Vulture's never really had that great of a storyline. Right. I fully appreciate him getting adapted better, um, and this is... He's the best Vulture we've ever had in any sort of... uh, anything and this is the best Mysterio we've ever had. And like what's so anything. great about it is that it it takes all those images. So that Hall of Mirror image thing that I was talking about with the video game, they do that yep. in this. You know, they do everything you ever thought of like for a Mysterio head. You have the snow globe, you have the moon, you have the eyes of a spider and like the army of Mysterios coming out. Just this incredible scene. So I guess the zombie Tony Stark is just like hauntingly creepy. Like, and there's spiders coming out of its mouth. And like, I couldn't believe they did it. Like the MCU. Oh, so good. The MCU has been so bad about doing these provocative images. You know, never. You know, let's say maybe Guardians is the best with imagery. Guardians two, especially uh, with that field that Gamora sits at, is just gorgeous to look at. But there isn't, like, anything, like, really worth mentioning on almost any MCU movie. And this one just nails it out of the park in a way that I never, ever would have thought. Yeah, that was that was the best trippy scene they've ever done. And they had an entire movie of trippy scenes called yes, Doctor Strange. that is and a good point. So, so much I better than that. The reason why this works so much better than anything in Doctor Strange is that this is really tight into the themes of this particular movie and Mysterio is doing it very purposely to get into Peter's head. Like he's psychologically trying to break this kid and that is, or just distract him long enough for him to trick him again and they get him run over by a train. Like, God damn, that's brutal. And that is so much more captivating than anything than anything Doctor Strange does because it's like, Doctor Strange is like, look how weird this is. It's like, okay, so what? You know, that doesn't go anywhere. Right. So, 
so this that sequence so for anybody in the know you know this obviously this is a spoiler thing so you should know what scene we're talking about but this is like probably two-thirds into the movie this is straight up you know getting close to the climax and uh peter's like i gotta go to berlin to talk to nick fury and warn him about beck because oh no my we just found this uh we just found this projector that is showing off stuff that Mysterio is uh, is in charge of all of these creatures. Uh, so you go off to Berlin and he finds Nick Fury, which is obviously not Nick Fury. They go to this random building and they have this scene and, and it starts off, oh my, here's a drone that shot Nick Fury. And then you think he's fighting all these drones and then all of a sudden the world gets turned upside down and we have this magnificent illusion scene of all of the imagery that we kind of up. So like earlier in the movie, Peter talks to, to Qu- uh, Quentin Beck and he's just like, I don't know, man, I want to take Mary Jane or her name's not Mary Jane in this version. My bad. I want to take MJ to the Eiffel tower and, you know, kiss her, you know, whatever. And Quentin Beck absolutely uses that to his advantage by qu- creating the Eiffel tower scene. And MJ's like, help Peter. Ah! And then he grabs her and like drops her. And, like, that drops Peter. Yeah, and then he's like, this isn't real. And then he, like, chokes out MJ. Is like, is it? And then draws it. I was like, it's oh, so, that's it's so, so brutal. It's so brutal, so scary. And very provocative of the death of Gwen Stacy, too, you know. Uh, for all the Spider-Man fans, yeah. you know, you're getting that imagery out of it, too. And so, you know, Peter jumps after her and lands on a car. And it's amazing. He's trying to take down, like, these giant whatever's. And uh, it's really just a, a forklift, not a forklift, uh, uh, you know, whatever. It's a big piece of construction machinery. And that almost comes down and kills Peter that way. And it's just amazing. So he goes through, and I keep using that. I'm sorry that I just keep on. I just love that scene. I loved every minute of it. And, of course, the best part of it was this loud gunshot goes off. And Nick Fury just kills Quentin Beck and all the other military people are coming back and they're like, and Nick Fury goes up to Peter and he's like, you got to tell me who's in danger because people are going to die. And Peter's just like, uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, 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 Ned, MJ, and maybe Ned told his girlfriend, Betty. And then Nick Fury goes, <laughs> you gullible son of a bitch. And then of course it's, it's, still quitting back with his projectors and he runs them over with the train. And it's just like, they ended that scene with an exclamation point. I, again, I couldn't believe my eyes that they did that. And they did it so well. Oh yeah. So, uh, my God. And then they hearken back to all of this with the ending. Uh, uh, they're at the big climactic scene and Peter Parker's just like, give me Edith or, you know, uh, it's time for you to give back Edith and Quentin's just like, you want it? Come and get it. And shoots the hallway into this another world. And of course, Spider-Man uses his spider sense to, to see through the illusions and his it, Peter it tingle, his Peter tingle. Uh, is there a legal thing that they couldn't say spider sense? No, they're just trying to, um, I think they're just trying to not use the exact same iconography and everything that other movies have used, which yeah. is why like, he has a swing in New York until the end of this movie. Yeah. And why they don't mention Uncle Ben a lot and, like, 
They're trying not to. It's also just kind of more funny of, like, why would he call it a spider sense? He would probably just say, this feeling I have. And then, of course, Anne May probably goes, oh, that's your Peter Tingle. It makes it really weird and awkward because that's what parents are good at. And, yeah, that was a good thing. And there was a reference to Ben this time around. Uh, Did you notice his suitcase? Yep. Was BFP. Yep. That was beautiful. That was really good. Um, I wish, I wish, uh, we'll get into the bads. I wish we went a lot further on stuff like that. Um, so, uh, the relationships were good, but, you know, it could have been better. But, you know, nonetheless, MJ and Peter's relationship is super cute. Um, and, you know, not nearly as toxic as the Peter and MJ relationship and the Raimi films. And then the ending was amazing. Uh, and it was, and that was a remarkably great scene too. It hits on, you know, all of the fanboys in the world that think that JK Simmons is the only person that can play J Jonah Jameson. Yeah, he is. And you know what? They're all right. Because that was amazing. <laughs> uh, such a great, <laughs> such a great reveal. Such a great, and, so, for anybody that doesn't know, Mysterio doxes Peter Parker. He tells the whole world that Spider-Man is this little boy from Queens named Peter Parker, and the whole world now knows. And I personally have no idea where you go for the sequel. You know, not so much that there's there's a ton of story to tell. I just can't imagine another movie being in the same tone as the first two movies were. Like, for the most part, these are teenage comedies. I cannot imagine a third movie with that same tone with this new story approach. Like, they have to start from the ground up, I think. I it, It'll be fascinating. Um, the other thing is, the important thing is that it's not super proven obvious that it is him, right? Like, all the recording of him being Spider-Man was cut from... You can't see his face on the official video where he says, like, the execute... Uh, thing and it was like super obviously fake stuff on there and then he just says he's Peter Parker and then they show a high school picture of him right so you could theoretically spin it as he's not real so we might run into this unique scenario of part of the world believes he's Spider-Man and part of it doesn't but yeah it's kind of collectively the cat is kind of sort of out of the bag now it's like yeah you could say he's not but at the same time the fact that it's a theoretically even like a low level conspiracy is like that's more trouble than you want like as a villain why wouldn't you just try for it anyways like you know even if i'm wrong i kill a high schooler but if i'm right i kill spider-man so like it's gonna be interesting no matter which way they go with that i i i would love it if it's a very john wick 3 opening it's just the whole world versus peter parker all these people trying to kill him at once I would be, I'd be intrigued. And I kind of hope it's like that too. I hope we just get like this big, what somebody, I can't remember who it was. There was somebody, a fan theory saw. I was like, cool. Someone's going to need to hunt them down, which is what Craven the Hunter uh, is for. I was like, you know what? That's the best reason to ever have Craven the Hunter. Like somebody's trying to hunt down Spider-Man, which is literally the guy who has Hunter in his name. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Get him. Do it. Yep. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, there's a million different ways to go. I personally, uh, I just want the legit lizard. That's all I want. That's fine too. I, just want I personally to treat want the lizard right. The Sinister Six this go around, and not just because it's a thing. Yep. Like, you have enough villains at this point introduced. 
And it's like... It's also in a universe where making villains is not does not require right. a lot of effort. Like, it's not like these other realistic worlds where you have to watch them trip into a vat of radioactive sand or acid or whatever. This is the universe where, like, you shocker can just have powers. Exists. And someone yeah. could just, just say, Give you a shocker. Yeah. yeah, it's like, cool. Like, this guy got hit by, like, electricity, and now he has electrical powers. Like, that's literally all you have to do. You don't have to set up these huge you, you d- stories. You don't even need to do that. It's just, like, here's a guy that has shocking abilities. Yep, like, that's oh, it. Oh, man, there. there's Electro. You know. So, and they have already have a lot of them established. And I would love, so, like, I guess we're not quite at the bads yet. And, like, this wasn't exactly my bads, but I kind of wish this felt... More like a sequel to the first movie. I wish we revisited Michael Keaton uh, and his Scorpion pal. I wish we had um, maybe an appearance by uh, Donald Glover as the Prowler. Like, just to remind people, like, there's a bigger world and it's still going. And it's going especially after uh, Peter Parker's been doxxed. And... um, I was... I would that would have been like a post credit teaser of like somebody like in the prison cell looking and being like, Yeah, that Peter Parker like something like that instead Ooh, of what we actually got, which was Yeah, if what if it was Nick Scorpion kind of looking like, over to, to Michael Keaton? Yeah. Like just them sitting in prison like He's looking like, at Mikey right? and like is that looking right? back is that, is and it really like, Peter Parker? Like, yeah, is that him? Or like something like that. Or like, yeah, just something a little bit more like that. Because the post credit teaser we got was meant nothing <laughs> like i absolutely i absolutely hate it i i do yeah. that's not part of my bads but i do not like it uh and like it's easy for me to just set aside uh, you know just no just to just to not acknowledge it just because it's part of the post credits and not really part of the movie but yeah it's bad that was really bad it's just dumb it's just not it doesn't belong it's just set it up for a movie that's like has not it's going to have nothing to do with spider-man anyway shape or form right. like but but why right not that was not a good idea in the slightest in my opinion but that's okay um so like yeah there's a billion things ways this movie can go uh the next movie could go and the coolest thing about it is you know back to my favorite part of the movie is mysterio they kept it so vague that one, Quentin Beck could still be alive in this scenario. Spider-Man just puts on the glasses mm-hmm. like, Edith, uh, is he? And instead of asking, is he dead? He goes, is this real? And she's like, yeah, there's no illusions going on, Peter. And, you know, you, you effing idiot. And then Peter's just like, oh, I'm sad. Uh. You know, instead of asking, hey, is he dead? Which now he could very easily have faked his death because... This Nick Fury was very incompetent and probably didn't go pick up his his corpse. Also, and I'm sure he hacked into Edith. There's no way he didn't like oh, take yeah, her that's Edith a good to point. like help Yeah, he probably out. did that too. Yeah, but if let's say Jake Gyllenhaal is just like, no, I don't want to play ball. You know, one MCU is enough. I'm I'm good. I don't need to ever come back. It's perfect that Mysterio is a team of people, and that yep. team of people can come back. I personally would only want Mysterio to come back if they did a Sinister Six. I wouldn't want them to do the same thing they just did in this movie. But, you know, still, you have that ability to bring him back for, for something bigger. And that's really cool. And I'm, 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 I'm stoked to see the potential of where that might go. 
Yeah, I I want him to come back, um, but I, I have a feeling he won't. Yeah, I mean, you never want to get too much of a good thing. I Again, personally, yeah. I only want it if they're doing Sinister Six. And uh, I would love it if they adapted the original Sinister Six. Oh, that was another good Mysterio comic. I forgot about that. Uh, he had one of the cooler bits. He had Spider-Man fight a whole bunch of robot X-Men. Hmm. And if they introduce the X-Men sometime soon, you know, before they do the next Spider-Man movie and they're going to do Sinister Six, recreate that scene. That would be a lot of fun. I have a feeling that's not going to happen. No, but, you know, I can dream. It's true. We can all dream about that. But I I have a feeling the X-Men are not going to show up for quite a while, if ever. Ooh, if at all. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, I guess we we had that whole conversation last episode. Yeah, we have. All right. Let's get on to that. Uh... Give me your goods. All right, you stole my Mysterio one, which of course you did. Um, that's fine. I have other Why, ones. What, what what world was I going to be like? Eh, yeah, Mysterio was fine. Ugh. I was actually legitimately kind of like I had no idea what you thought of this movie, and I uh, I did not ask for a reason because I was just definitely curious of what you thought of it, uh, which is why I never like tried to like get it out of you what you thought. So, um, so. Spoiler alert for the rest of my thing. I absolutely loved this movie so much. Like, so good. Um, uh, So, the goods are are hard for me just because there's so many. But, um, I guess my first one is the the tone. Like, I know for the last movie, um, a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, like, when the kids were talking about, I was like, oh, we, like, tried to emulate The Breakfast Club and doing that and having that John Hughes style and I I think it was oh sort of successful but it just didn't hit the mark whereas I feel like this one while it didn't feel like exactly like a John Hughes movie felt a lot more like what they were I think what they've been trying to go for um these past two movies so that was much appreciated um to me I, it didn't feel like anything in particular it felt like itself and that's what yeah. it should be. Like it wasn't an a it wasn't an imitation. It just absorbed that fun of high schoolers of high schoolers not being dumb but being high schoolers, which is I think a super important distinction. Um, because a lot of times people either portray high schoolers as, you know, adults but like weirdly like hormonal adults or idiots. Yeah. And I think this did a good job of doing neither of those, which is they're not incompetent, but they're also high schoolers, which means they're not completely the price of the inexperience enough to truly be adults. Like, you know, Ned thinking he became a man because he got a sort of a girlfriend who he never even really kissed that much. Like, and then, like, you know, breaking up at the end of a trip and, like, you know, trying to be, like, zen about it. Like, that's that's what a high schooler yeah. would think an adult would do. That's, like, again, not them being dumb, but not them being particularly, like, adults. This is a high school thing. Um, and just all around, they all felt like, all the high schoolers actually felt like high schools. And all the teachers felt like they were exasperated adults who, yeah, oh, that's how I teachers would actually be. Which is just the the humor is really great. And yeah. specifically the teachers. Both of them had me rolling the whole time. Oh, so, was, was, 
as as a man of science, I say witches did this. And you're like, oh, this, and that was the runny joke is this guy kept thinking they were witches. And it's like, cool, we went on a trip of science, and what we found was as a bunch cool of witches. Teacher, I need to like, tell you something. Okay. you got to stop like, that. No more yeah, cameras the in the teacher, bathroom. Or, <laughs> or or teachers trying to set up the camera for a selfie because he's too awkward to ask somebody to take a selfie for this old camera and then he has it in his hand like you think he's gonna drop it and he grabs it and then he just like moves his hand a little bit and just slips and falls into the river <laughs> like you can just see the look of just pure anger on saying something like I just dropped my camera at the very beginning of the trip into the river like all Oh, they were so much fun. So, no, they weren't Did I tell you about how my wife pretended to blow? <laughs> we had a funeral for her and everything. Did she have some guy in high school? Like, the first time I heard that, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's some dark humor there of, like, his wife cheated on. Essentially ran off with somebody to pretend she got blipped. There was a lot of dark humor. And oh, the yeah. the marching band coming back after the blip was amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> or it's just or like even just like the Brad Davis guy just being like that's so MJ and they're like who is this guy <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. classic MJ and you're like but who are you again like so oh, yeah Brad it didn't Davis. it didn't copy uh it it didn't copy John Hughes it didn't feel like a John Hughes movie it felt like its own thing but I think they got a little more of that tone better yeah so, I agree yeah easily the humor easily one of the best high school. Yeah, easily one of the best high school uh, portrayals in the last little while. Oh, um, that's not, only that second ain't to American true at all. Uh, I was gonna say only second to American Vandal. Hundred percent. No, okay, that's great. Hundred percent. Book smart. Book smart is by far the fucking best. Oh, that one's a good uh, one too. Uh, have I haven't you seen, seen it. I haven't seen it. I just heard so many good things about it. I'm like, yeah, right, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, book smart like, was incredible, especially a big budget movie. Yeah. This is the this is by far the best we've gotten in a long time. Yes. Um. So I appreciate that. Um. We talked about the little humor a little bit in that one, but I think what I loved about the humor is not it wasn't all quips. I'm so happy we yeah, got our quips. Was, we and got our moments, some running, but jokes, it was we got some pratfalls. We got some like pratfalls. We got some like you know odd lines. We got some like just some sheer great physical comedy. Like when Spider-Man's or Peter Parker's in the bell tower and he's got his webbing and he tries to move forward and hits his face on the bell and then just like has to slide more and then he gets up and hits his head again and just keeps doing like has like multiple times like I was cracking up or the introduction like how they introduce all the heroes. It's a little tight around the web shooters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they refers to his junk as the web shooter. (laughs) Like... Or, or, uh, or the very beginning when they're playing, like, oh, what's the song they're playing for the memorial and thing? I oh, yeah, like, it's Whitney Houston. And then, and then just show a bunch of clip art pictures yeah. of them, and one of them literally has the Getty Images right. watermark on right. there all across the front of it because it's a bunch of high school students who play there, and there's, like, doves flying, and it's horrible, but you're just like, this is perfect like i wanted everything about this this is so stupid um but it 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 works and it's really funny again not based on a quip just legitimately actually funny and i was so happy that this was as funny 
as it was without trying too hard. And again, different types of humor than just all verbal comedy. That gets old, like, real fast. So, and then uh, my third was Mysterio, but we've talked enough about him. So I think what I appreciate in this one, um, and this is going to be an interesting thing going forward, is we kind of got the finale of the, one of the big finales of the MCU last movie. Um, and this one movie touched on a lot, idea of legacy. And not only how do we move forward after this event, but in kind of like a weird meta way, it's, okay, how does all this move on after this huge event? So I like... It's a it's a new way to talk about responsibility. Yeah. And it's a really interesting take of like, now you're the new top guy. What's, you know, where do we go? Yeah. And also the idea too of it, it, all these movies are going to, one, run into this problem because some of the main actors are gone, but they were always going to run to this problem anyways um, because in the comics, people don't have to age and you have a limitless budget for everything and all that stuff. And Captain America, whoever like, like draws Captain America, someone else can draw him afterwards and he can look this exact same. Whereas, you know, Chris Evans, the real human being, does not want to do this forever. He is not a puppet. He wants to do his own life. He gets to do his own life now. And so now we're going to have this interesting problem of we have to keep finding ways of continuing the superhero story without some of the heroes that started it. So, um, Spider-Man already had a good legacy setup, even from his introduction. He's always been with Tony Stark and working with him and being the legacy. Um, it's interesting how well they did it in this movie of this idea of, yeah, how do we go on after this? And how do we go on after we lost one of the most important people, one of my heroes in life? And how do I live up to this person that literally everybody thinks is like, almost godlike of how amazing they were um so i think i think that did this movie did a good job of that and i appreciate it it's a good end note to um end game that theoretically could have ended it could have i guess been this is the end of marvel's phase three uh so theoretically it's a good end cap to that and if it weren't for the post credit stinger could have been just the end and that would have been a solid end to everything i think we could have got a really satisfying ending out of all of it um if it just ended on that but those post-cred stingers the one i love and the one i hate just couldn't let that happen could it <laughs> yeah exactly on that note shall we go on to the things you hate yeah uh do you want to go first to me yeah you go ahead with the bad okay, cool. No bads. All right, uh, so first one is the most serious one of all. Um, we only got J. Jonah Jameson for like 10 seconds, and what kind of crap is that? <laughs> like, like I've been waiting so long for this to happen, and it, the, it happened in the best way possible. It was like tasting magic, but for like 10 seconds, and I had to wait years for it now. If ever, if it's not just like a one-and-done thing, like, that's that's wrong. How dare you, Marvel? You give, like, thank you, but also, how dare you? You know, I was listening to some reviews with the big question of, like, you know, they couldn't imagine that he becomes, like, a bigger character in the next movies. And I think that's, I think that's hogwash. I think you can still have him I a big character. I think he easily could. In fact, especially because I think it'd be interesting in some ways, like, at least thematically, he ends up being, like, the main villain of the, um... Of the th I think, next one. Yeah, even if he doesn't become the main antagonist, he's definitely going to be a thorn in his side because it 
like it, this move next movie is, feels like it's going to happen in just New York now, That'd be which so is good. Bad. Like we've had two fantastic movies of just Spider-Man movies where he's not hanging out in New York. Manhattan. Like, I I want to see him actually in his friendly neighborhood, and like we got a little bit of the web swinging at the end of this, which was perfect and looked amazing. It's like you know what. He's earned, like, we've earned the movie that doesn't have to subvert expectations. Just hang out in New York. And Man. when you do, J. Jonah Jameson will be there waiting for you. So, I think he'll be around. Yes. Um, I think I think they wouldn't bring bother to bring him back for ten seconds. And then just be like, yeah, we don't want this huge character that's, like, super iconic Spider-Man just being there for, like, just for a weird reference. Right. Like, they, I feel like they just almost wouldn't have bothered. Um, that's... That's really petty fan service that the MCU has not dug into, I don't think, too much at this point. Um, they're pretty good about not doing that too much. Too much? At times. I, don't, do you, I mean, I, uh, James Gunn is back for Guardians 3, so we'll probably get yeah. that Adam Strange payoff. But right now, it just <laughs> seems super weird that that's a yeah. dangling thread. I, I think mean, there's, there's dangling threads all around, um, but... Um, there's not dangling threads up. We brought somebody that people have been clamoring for literally a decade for this one right. character, the guy to come back. And yeah, I think I think that'd be super interesting if he was the main antagonist, like the main catalyst of yep. action. Like he's not the bad guy. You know, Peter's not going to throw a punch at him, but the main yeah, antagonist. Yeah, of who's I think continuing to spread cool. this. I guess it's not a rumor, it's a fact, but probably will be treated as a rumor around and won't let it die kind of thing like i can totally see him doing that um um and if we go if we go my approach which is i want a um i want like the john wick 3 opening or more appropriately the warriors and like you keep it all in manhattan and he's trying to get back to queens or something like that that would be an amazing, like, that could be an amazing movie. What if Peter, the next movie takes, right? The next movie takes place in between where he's at in Manhattan, which was, I do believe, Times Square. I don't know where else you would find the giant screens. You go from Times Square and try to get back to Manhattan. Now, th- this might be silly of me to say because I actually don't know how far away Queens is from Manhattan. Um so like I, if uh, if that's like a fairly close it's, thing, then that's not it's not super close. Yeah. Like it's you could have it's you not, could have a Warriors type movie where it's a bunch of supervillains who now know who he is trying to get after him. Or until he gets to Avengers Tower and gets safe from like Prince Tony Stark and all them. Because like that's where he theoretically could be the safest, not in Queens. That's a um, that's he'd a fair be safest point. with with a Stark area, which and I the guess would never do a movie like do. that, but I would love that. Uh, some of my favorite, that would some be of so my favorite cool. movies and stories take place in a span of a day, and I think that'd be really cool to see an MCU movie that does that. I don't, I can't think of one on the top of my head. I, I don't, uh, not, not really many. The Avengers is probably the closest. That's like two days. Um, yeah, there's not too many um, that take place yeah. in a day. No, I would love no, that. That'd be an amazing any. sequel, but I, we're we're not gonna get that. They're gonna do something bigger than that, so uh, which is fine. But like uh, that, yeah. I think that'd be amazing. Um, all right. Uh, so my number two is I I love all the classmates, and I as much as I love Mysterio, I just want a movie where it's just all these idiots hanging out with each other. 
but like an actual field trip with all these weirdos with the two teachers and all this stuff happening which is i guess a weird compliment but also like i feel like characters like flash thompson did not get much time at all and like his development was super shoehorned in um, but it was a, it was appropriate i thought it was appropriate but at the same time it was kind of like it's super not forced or like like, I feel like there was more we could have done with, I guess, just most all of the cast. Or, like, poor Ned was barely in this yeah, movie yeah. that much. I was like, oh, I, oh, I miss Ned, which is fine. He'll probably get more time in the next one. Um, but, I, like, some of those characters, I feel like we didn't get to do a lot because so much was happening that we just didn't get to focus on these weird high schoolers that are super fun um, and that I grew to like from this movie and the first movie. So... I guess that's my that's my second thing. I personally then, thought just to argue for a little bit. I personally thought this was really well balanced between uh, uh, high school stuff and, and superhero stuff. Oh yeah, because I get super annoyed by some genre pictures that have like really good characters, and just when they're about to kiss, something happens, an explosion, and like yeah. I never had that thought here. Uh, in this movie, oddly enough, like I was just like, all right, yeah, we're on to this now. Oh, cool, we're back to MJ. Oh, right, we're back on. I thought it was really well paced. Oh, agreed. That. And that I I do like the balance. I just I I just wish I could have that other extra movie as well. That's these characters. Yeah. Um, that's just the trip. Like just a yeah. Like it's yeah. there's it's nothing against this movie of that I can't have that. It's just like uh oh. I really enjoyed it, and so it's a little bit of a yeah. bummer that I don't get more of them. Give me more! I need more! Give me more! And then, I slightly talked about this one, but the end credits, and just the whole Nick Fury reveal that he's actually a scroll is just so dumb. I just don't like it. I think the, I couldn't believe it. I think the main reason I don't like it is because um, uh, it takes away the idea that Nick Fury could be, like, Spider-Man's next mentor. A very different mentor, too, but still could kind of be, like, that adult in the room that's like, look, I know you're you're 16, sometimes you're gonna need somebody to tell you what is up. And it's super different than Tony Stark, who is logical, but also kind of more fluctuating emotionally kind of thing. And it's gonna be a lot softer than Nick Fury, who's going to be straight-up gruff, hard ass with him and we kind of got a little bit of it but then it's undercut by the fact that it's not actually nick fury so we don't know if nick fury's ever actually met peter parker um and it sucks because i know that works because it did in the comics uh there's a really good series called ultimate spider-man which takes place pretty much entirely around the fact that peter parker is always a teenager he never really grows up <laughs> he never grows up into adult as far as the whole series goes on he's always in high school and nick really fury, he, they never get him out of high school no he dies before then um oh my god yeah well that's i guess it's fine <laughs> I, this happened years ago so but this wasn't a, I, I know of ultimate spider-man i just assumed they got him in high, uh, in college eventually nope, nope he starts off at like I want to say, like, maybe freshman or sophomore in high school. I'm, like, never really, um, I don't think, I don't know if he even, like, has, like, a graduation day or anything like that for any of his class. Like, I think it's just implied of, like, this 
and comic book logic. He's just high school it forever. That's either way. That's silly. Uh, that was something I was hoping they would. If you're gonna do a new universe, like make it more concrete with the timeline, you know. It it kind of did. It's uh, super hard to do in comics. I, though, I, like, I understand, because... but I feel like you know. I don't know. You, you yeah, can do it. and it kind of. Uh, Ultimate Universe had its problems. Saga does it really well, so it's it's possible. Yeah, Ultimate Universe. Yeah, but that's not with like numerous creators and numerous yeah. storylines happening and editorial like multiple editorial things. That's just two people who wanted to make a story, um, right? But and Ultimate Universe had its own problems that were not involved with that. So many, but um, Ultimate Spider-Man's were pretty much the only one that stayed constantly good throughout the entire thing. Um, but the idea was like he, Shield knew who he was pretty quickly onwards, and Nick that Nick Fury was kind of his hard ass mentor, who pretty much like kind of babysat him and would come in every once in a while, straighten him up, and that sort of thing. And like that was that was his main superhero mentor, not Tony Stark, right? Not anybody else, and Nick Fury. And it was interesting because. Peter's parents were shield agents and so Nick right Nick so he kind of had a little bit of connection yeah yeah it wasn't it was less of an obligation I think it was what happened was he started doing it because he was like he was trying to assess him as a threat and then just kind of turned out to like him okay I was like you know what I'll just yeah um it was a little bit uh, actually his parents were also not shield agents of that one they were scientists that actually created venom so yeah, that's. Oh, I thought I thought they did get to shield agents. They might have been like, but they were mostly scientists. Um, gotcha. In that universe, in the other universe, they were shield agents. In the real the six one six, yeah. The, yeah, which this fun reference in this one. Yeah, yeah, the the mysterious line. Yeah, yeah. you're from six one six, and I'm eight hundred something. Like, yeah, they're never gonna do alternate universe like that. Uh, anywho, long story short, I know it works because it's working in the comics, and I'm disappointed that it's not working like that. Um, it also ans- asks, makes you ask more questions than it answers, and for a movie that this is going to have no sort of payoff in this movie. Oh, I just thought of a huge missed opportunity. If this is a movie about filling in shoes and like taking up the responsibility and Peter not wanting that... It would have been really interesting to have two supposed new father figures for him. Uh, you have Mysterio, you have Nick Fury. And Nick Fury is the hard, you know, the hard always up on Peter's ass, you know, like you could be better, you could be super. And then you have Mysterio who's just like, what do you want to do? And giving him all the wrong advices, you know, very much on purpose, but nonetheless, like. You have this interesting dynamic that they could have so played up. And, like, all of that, even if they did play that out, would be ruined by the post-credits. Yep. Like, that was a really, that's a really silly yeah, choice they made. Yeah, just although, chilling. Although, my mom came up with a reading of it, of the post-credits. And it's like, Nick Fury, in this whole movie, is also somebody that's trying to fill, uh, you know, another person's shoes. And trying to live up to unrealistic expectations. And I was like, you know what? That is kind of interesting. Kind of, yeah, when you put it that way. I still don't like it. I still don't like it. It's it's still bad. <laughs> I don't like it, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know what? That does fit though with the themes of the movie. Yeah, but also it's terrible, and I just eh. like I guess the only reason I am okay with it is it conveniently makes Nick Fury dumber, so like Quentin Beck can actually outsmart people because otherwise Nick Fury would be like, 
how do you believe any of this? Because, again, as Quinn Beck says, this is stupid, and apparently the right kind of stupid. Right. Um, He also does make a good point of, in this universe, anybody will be able to believe anything, which is super valid. Oh, sure. When half of existence has been wiped out because some blue-purple alien snapped their fingers with a gauntlet of gems, why wouldn't you believe everything that somebody told you? Like... It sets up an interesting parallel of, yeah, this universe is now filled with so much weird stuff that, like, how do you know what's real yeah, or not? exactly. Which is a perfect spot for Mysterio. Um, oh, so, shoot. I totally forgot to talk this about Legacy, but I love Mysterio's team. It's all built up of ex, like, Tony Stark-like people from other movies and stuff like that. Like, that's so genius. Yeah. <laughs> like, even the dude from the first Iron Man movie... Who is Ralphie. also <laughs> Ralphie? Ralphie! <laughs> Ralphie is one of the villains of MCU. One of the biggest, actually, now. But no, I I legitimately love that legacy part of it. It's and a I whole think that, team of people, and like, yeah, yep. you get to see that they're. I wish they kept going with it. Like, just found other movies that you know scientists yep. would be. I just let it found other people. Yeah, no, it totally works, and it continues the theme of Tony's of legacy of Tony Stark's legacy and when he made his mistakes and he was not a perfect person, right? He should have like handled some of these situations better. Um, but he didn't because he's super egotistical of, um, I mean, obviously firing somebody who's unstable is not wrong, but calling something barf in front of them when it's their life's work. It's like, was that really the right call for a joke? Like, come on. Like, no, you know, so, and like this is something yeah. else. I rewatched Homecoming before seeing uh, Far From Home. I think the second time, and like it's like you know, Tony Stark starts off with a line about like how you looking tonight, Aunt May. I hope it's something skimpy. I hope you're wearing something skimpy. And it's like I kind of don't like Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> like I like I think I just finally like made that realization. It's like I. I think he's kind of a dick bag a lot yeah, of the time. That's that's like, like he's a, you're supposed, he's a dick bag. Like that's supposed to be the point, but like that just bothers me. Like I don't think this is part of my bads, but like it kind of bothered me in this movie too that like Aunt May just kind of played up as the hot one and like that's kind of it. That's what you like. Uh, it, yeah, again, I wish weird. I'd spent more time with Aunt May, so it's like actually it's not all Aunt May. Everything in Aunt May is entirely revolved around happy being into her like yeah i think that was a super weird choice for this movie and and it started with the last movie and i kind of wish they just stopped that just like have aunt may just be a character and be supportive of peter and and yeah i i think personally that talk that happy gives peter in the plane that should have been aunt may giving that talk to, to him i think that was really weird also another weird choice i think it works more for that because both both of them knew Tony Stark pretty well, and so that is it would be odd coming from Anne May of like Tony Stark was a flawed person. It's like no, Happy knew him probably one of the best, if not the best, out of anybody on the planet. I I guess and, and you, what you could do is a double team then because like you kind of need the support of the loving support of Aunt May, and then you can you know, top it off with, with happy going like, you know, he made mistakes too, you know, and like, you can have a tag team of it. I think it's just super strange that you don't fly Aunt May over there with him, you know? I guess, but I, I think it works 
better with just happy. And then that was like the nice scene with him, you know, look like messing with the armor and doing the gauntlet thing like Iron Man did. Like there's just like a nice nostalgic moment of like, yep, this is like a nice setup for like, yeah, he doesn't think he's the next Iron Man, but he kind of is like and he's earned it, too. More importantly, he's got a lot of Tony Stark's better qualities. Yeah, I, I don't know. But it's just it's just it's just odd that there's no good Aunt May scene either in either movie. You know, that's also a problem yeah. with the first movie. So like, yep. Also disappointing. It's, it's really strange. I, I, I think so. I, I didn't I even write that Aunt down May on scene. the bads, but it's like I don't understand why Aunt May is has not been been great. So, um, I guess you got a fourth bad as a bonus with the Aunt May stuff, but. My yep. my first bad is this. It's the same problem with the first movie. I I think the editing of this film gets really choppy, especially with the dialogue scenes. And I have very specific scenes that that seemed very choppy. But it's just like the movie does not give much room to breathe at all. Like it just seems like we're going, 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 which is fine for a superhero movie. And I know they probably cut off a lot of the fat. Because we don't need it, you know, you just need the next line to feed us the next information. But you get a lot of good characterization out of people's reactions to to what think to what people other people say. And I encourage people to watch uh, the Every Frame of Painting video on the Cohen brothers and how they do uh, dialogue. They they do the re- shot reverse shot. And it's not so much that you're going with the beat of of how they're talking. It gives you the breathing room of what the character's reacting to. So one of the examples they gave was the sheriff gives his big speech and you cut to the Big Lebowski. And you have like one simple face of the Big Lebowski for like a solid two seconds before he goes, I'm sorry I wasn't listening, you know. Just like this really bland, like, uh, kind yeah. of face. And it's like that... That kind of editing goes a long way of, one, feeling natural with the conversations, and two, like, giving good characterization characterization for all these really great, expansive characters. And it's really weird. I guess at this point, you know, he he's edited his movies in the same way twice now. I guess that's just his style of, of like, chopping up and, and breaking up sentences in really weird, awkward ways. And I said at the beginning of this, I had a couple of scenes specifically. So the first thing I got is the Aunt May speech at the be- very beginning. She talks about, oh, uh, you know, the wife thought I was a mistress. The grandma thought I was a ghost, you know, whatever. She was giving that story of how she blipped back mm-hmm. into her apartment, right? And then she just all of a sudden switches topics to, uh, to hey, thanks for being here. Spider-Man has a few words. And how that transition is this this very awkward like like oh uh you weren't finished with your first thought at all somebody cut that all out to go on to the next thing and it's probably the right choice like like i said before you probably don't need all of that fat but because they do it so often you hardly get conversations that feel very uh genuine and authentic so go watch that video of every frame of painting to know what I'm talking about on editing uh, conversations and shot reverse shot and all that techniques. If you also want a good example of what a good edited movie looks like, 
Uh, there's a great film out right now called Midsummer. And if you're listening to this podcast about superhero movies, you probably don't like Midsummer, but I'm going to tell you to go check it out anyways. Uh, it's an amazing film. And every edit, every cut is very motivated to what the characters are either doing or what they're feeling at that moment. And it's really a masterclass of really well-edited um, films. Or if you want to keep it into the realm of Spider-Man, when Peter Parker reveals to Aunt May in Spider-Man 2 that he killed Uncle Ben or was responsible for the guy that killed Uncle Ben or whatever, watch that scene and how that dialogue and lines are put together and how each cut is very motivated and how each cut shows the emotions of both characters and lets the scene breathe. Compare that scene of dialogue to the scene of dialogue and and homecoming where Tony Stark yells at, at Peter Parker and it's like, oh, no, no, it's time for me to be the adult or whatever he says. Compare those two scenes and you'll, I think you'll have a better idea of what I'm talking about. It's, it's, you know, it serves its purpose. It, it keeps moving the movie forward but it's just really choppy, so it, it, that's just Fair one enough. of those things that really bothers me. It's just like I wish, I wish that would be better. So my second one is that the emotions, like there's a lot of big emotional impacts in these movies, but I feel like they need to be bigger, even bigger. I don't know if this is like rude of me to ask for this or something like this, because like the Mysterio scene is just filled to the brim with emotion, right? Uh, a lot of, you know, confusion, mm-hmm. a lot of fear, a lot of disappointment, I guess, in that scene, right? Of, like, I'm not filling up these shoes as I should be. You follow that scene with the train, and that's good. Yeah. And then after that, it's like he wakes up at a prison in the Netherlands. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, I really wish that the movie would have gave the time to breathe and I really wish that Peter would have felt his failure even more. They kind of tried to do it with the happy airplane scene. I don't know if that was good enough. I think, like, a moment... Let's see. What, what's a good moment? I feel like if they had cut away from from Peter at that moment, like, maybe if we cut to, like, what MJ and Ned is doing at that time or something like that, and she just says something like, oh, man, I hope Peter's okay or something like that, or... Or something, like, just something ominous. Just to give the movie time to breathe. Alright. Like, I would have liked to have spent, like, maybe a few more seconds in the train with him as he passes out or whatever. The beginning of the movie starts with this big joke of the fact that everybody died. And, like, it's great because it's exactly how high schoolers would have dealt with this situation. And it's just like, what's the sap- What's the saddest song you've ever heard? I always love you. Yeah, let's use that for our thing. It's, it's really realistic with that and very funny, but it's also kind of weird to to go from Endgame to this. And it's just like, oh man, you know, that huge, Im- impactful, emotional shindig just immediately gets lampooned. Yep. So yeah, by it, this it would film. be a huge whiplash if you were to watch these back to back for sure. And, like, I I just don't know, like, it's always Marvel's game to be, like, oh, we're the funny superhero genre. And, like, yeah, I get it. Even their own stories aren't sacred. Like, we'll we'll lampoon and make fun of them, too. 
But like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I it's very funny, but at the same time, it's just like I kind of wish you just wouldn't have gone there on that approach with that tone. It it's it's weird to kind of think about that. And it's also kind of weird that you know out of nowhere, Peter is already in love with MJ just because he's supposed to be. He was kind of, you'd see like he was kind of into her. Also, it's implied that like, we've had time since this happened. Like, it's not like right afterwards. There's been months. It seems like it almost is a year after this happened because they're like, cool, we had taken midterms already, but now that everyone's back, they made us restart the entire year over again. So it seems like they, it's not like right afterwards, like they've been back. Yeah, but it's still very weird um, with that huge emotional whiplash of, of everything. And that is a term I stole from Will Dodds when he talked about the movie after the movie theater. Uh, so shout out to him. So, like, yeah, it's just, like, all the emotions. Like, I, like we've talked about the concept of bathos on this podcast before. And for anybody who doesn't know, bathos is kind of a unique term um, about how you take an emotionally genuine thing and then like in the last minute kind of turn it on its head to parody itself. And Marvel does that a lot. Uh, and this movie, you know, I'm not sure if it really did bath. I mean, the beginning definitely kind of was just a big parody of, of emotions that were, that were shared from the last movie, you know, prior, but I don't know. It's just, it's just a, it's an interesting tone. Like it's a great time. I have a great time watching all the humor and stuff like that, but it's just, you know, also kind of awkward, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that tone would be better if the emotions were dialed up to 11 at certain scenes and, you know, like I said before, I think there could have been better moments of, you know, the the post-Mysterio scene, Peter having some big, you know, self-doubts, more loving affection from Aunt May instead of just her fucking around with Happy. So I think the tone would be fixed if they stuck with the emotional, like the big emotional moments of of those certain aspects. If they played up some of these characters in more affectionate ways. Um, and I guess, I guess really that goes back to that, uh, Aunt May criticism of, you know, she, in both movies, she's just kind of played as like, oh, she's the hot aunt. And it's like, I kind of wish she was just more supportive of Peter. Not that she isn't, but like just more of it and really played up those emotions. And, and especially when Peter had failed, you know, so, so like those things could be bigger. And I am so sorry that I get very ranty with that. Uh, This last one, though, I always thought was weird. And I am sorry. This is going to get political. But I am very, very uncomfortable with Peter's fascist sunglasses. I think that is super weird that it's played as nonchalantly as it is. Tony, like, I guess it's not nonchalant because it's the big MacGuffin, right? Everybody wants Edith the glasses. But Tony just gives this huge amount of power to Peter. Yep. And, like, you know, Peter kind of plays it off as, like, oh, yeah, it's a huge amount of responsibility. It's not supposed to go to a kid like me. How about the idea that it shouldn't go to anybody, Peter? 
No. Like, that kind of power is not responsible. And it's very, you know, it's very NSA-y, right? We get to see everybody's text messages and what everybody's up to and all their information. And then you get, like, the power to call in a drone at any second. That shouldn't go to anybody. And, like, it's interesting that I just kind of watched a movie takedown of bureaucracy. Have you seen uh, Shin Godzilla? Oh, no, I still have not seen that yet, and I desperately want it, to. It's a great, like, satire. It's a great deconstruction and criticism towards bureaucracy and how the Japanese government handled, like, the recent tragedies of the typhoon and the uh, nuclear power plants. Right. And, like, how the Japanese government kind of handled that, you know, it was all very bureaucratical and, like, nothing got done and stuff like that. So, like... I understand, like, things are very slow through a bureaucracy, but it's still very much a process of many people, especially in in a democracy where it's made up of many people's ideas and that power is spread out through multiple people. And the idea that Peter has just got all this power now with the glasses and he doesn't really bat an eye at the fact that... that that Tony Stark gave him this power is kind of nuts to me. Uh, this this is a lot. And this is a lot for any one person, be it adult or not. And I kind of wish that Peter kind of came to the conclusions like, no, this isn't good for anybody. And like had destroyed the glasses, uh, I feel like would have been the most appropriate so I, I, I understand the whole idea is that Peter is having troubles with coming to the fact that he should be and will be the next Tony Stark and how you fit in that world. But, you know, there's a lot of attributes and like this is a huge thread that goes from the first movie too, that you want to keep the good elements of Tony Stark. You want to keep his charisma. You want to keep his genius. You want to keep his desire to help others. There's a lot of bad still, though. You know, you have his organization is still a company that develops weapons to to kill people. And like, yeah, that was a point of contention in the first movie. But I don't think it was ever like, oh, yeah, we stopped making weapons. Uh, I think they still very much do. Uh, Case in point, the satellite filled with a billion drones that is called upon through Edith the sunglasses. I think it stopped selling them like they made them but they stopped selling them so he didn't yeah, make a okay, profit great. off he doesn't, of that he doesn't make money off of them from other people he's still making them and like maybe like at this point the point of discussion of power and responsibility would be like you know he did a lot of great stuff he also did a lot of bad stuff that can hurt people and if we're gonna have this kind of power it needs to be spread out through through other means not just giving me all of it like that's crazy nuts. I yeah, it's just that those glasses blow open a ton of things that I don't think it opens a whole can of worms. I don't think they expected to ever like really talk about, and honestly, probably won't. But it's like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it's so not gonna lie. You're completely correct about all that stuff. But when you first said fascist glasses, I was like, I didn't think they looked that bad on him. Like. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, fascist. Like, oh, like the thing. That no, was like. Fascism. But, like, they were that bad looking. Like, yeah, they looked a little big for him, but, like, what? That's a, 
That makes way more sense. So, uh, I'm smart. <laughs> Fashion. Oh, boy. So, you know, it's it's definitely something you don't think about at least the first time. You know, I just kind of, you know, brush past it because, oh, man, Mysterio wants them and things are going to get bad now. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just like now it just there's a lot of unanswered questions with that of like, okay, who has them now? What are they doing? What are you going to do with them right. in the future? And it's just like, mm. uh, yeah, I, 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 that would have been a really cool moment if he had been like, you know what? We're going to do the better parts of Tony Stark and we're going to get rid of these glasses. You know, this is, this was not one of his better ideas, right. but, but whatever. It's fine. We can keep it. We can keep it. Whatever. Who cares? Let's just go on to the rating and get over it. Oh, they look so good on him. <laughs> I, no, I thought they looked actually pretty decent on him. And I also thought they looked good on, uh, on what's his name? I on bet, I want to bet that's like, that's why he looks like that. So that Tony, like Peter Parker would be more likely to give up the glasses because he looks a little bit like Tony Stark. Yes. I, yeah, I'm sure that was absolutely yep. At the forefront of both the character Quentin Beck and the design department and, you know, making the fashion sense yep. for for the character. Like, you know, just, like, give him a beard and make him look mm-hmm. like Tony. And it's like, yeah. So, okay. Let's go on to the ratings. For anybody that's listening for the first time, we go by a five-star rating system. Five stars means we love it. It's one of our favorites. Four stars means we really like it. Three stars means we like it okay. Two stars means we don't like it. And one star means we hate it. It is the worst movie ever. Parker, what is your rating? Uh, excuse me. That's Potabomb. Oh, excuse me. How dare you? Potabomb. I'm Pots. Pots. Pepper Pots. Yes. Uh, no, mine's a 4.5. I... Did not expect any less. Yeah, from you. I loved this movie so much. Like, where do you where do you rank it with the rest of the Spider Man movies? Uh, don't make me do that. <laughs> it's it's a hard tie between this Spider Man two and uh, Into the Spider Verse. I think Spider Man two. Whoa! I think Spider Man two is still the better one. I I would say this is probably third third best. Okay. I thought you were saying it was tied up with, with as your favorite for the top. I was like, Oh, uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen Spider-Man 2, but Into the Spider-Verse was, like, almost perfect, and so is yes. Spider-Man 2. So, um, yeah, this is this is a close second or third for sure. This is, this is also my third favorite Spider-Man, and Spi- Into the Spider-Verse is my one, Spider-Man 2 is my two, and this... This is my third. And I was going to say it was like a close third, but I don't think that's accurate. I think, um, like, in comparisons to two, it's just not, it's simply not as well made. It's not as tight as two. And you don't really need it to be. Um, Nope. But let's put it this way. If somebody were to offer me, hey, here is just that five-minute Mysterio sequence, and you can buy this on Blu-ray right now for $20, I do it. I love that scene. That scene is a straight up five out of five and absolutely the best Spider-Man scene of any of the Spider-Man movies. I just wish the rest of the film was as tight and as memorable 
as that sequence. And, like, maybe that's not fair for me to say, but it is. Because look at Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse is that Mysterio scene. It's the whole movie is working on all cylinders at all times. And it great creates this insanely memorable and fantastic movie. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse is easy, a 5 out of 5 for me. And this movie, mm-hmm. like, that scene is great. Mysterio is great. That is a wonderful time. And it, and overall, it's a wonderful time. But I'm going to give it, like, a 4.25. Um, okay, I think, that's solid. Re, yeah, the rest of the movie is solid. If you go on my letterbox, I'll, I'll have it just as a 4. Uh, and if you go on my letterbox, uh, you'll find that I don't have one, so... <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, all right. That was the movie. We this is interesting. This is the first time ever we don't know what the next movie is. I have no idea. Is. And I, I don't Yep, we have no clue. Which is great. And we talked about we speculated a little bit what the next movie would be. I threw out my idea of a John Wick slash Warriors type movie where, you know, they're trying to leave Manhattan or or they're stuck in New York while everybody's trying to kill him. I think that'd be I great. still think Home Alone uh, uh would be what I want. Home Alone who do you, okay, so you want Craven the Hunter for sure, or nope. do you? Would you rather see? No, nope, I don't want him. I just think he'd make the most sense. That's fair. Yeah, I personally want Sinister Six, and if Craven's part of that, that'd be cool. Yeah, I would love it if like maybe Craven like used the Sinister Six and then like became, you know, head honcho like trying to brush the rest of them off or something like that. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Uh, I would love. I would love like a power struggle between him and Michael Keaton because if you bring Michael Keaton back. Like, you would have to, you know, he would have to be, like, the hard dad yeah. uh, Peter Parker. Like, he, he'd be the one, like, I hate Peter Parker because he put me in jail, but I love him, so you can't. Yeah, like, him. yeah, like, he saved my life. I kind of owe him a little bit. Although, I guess he kind of did owe him by not saying anything when he was in jail. So, like, maybe he feels like he's deserved, but. Yeah, I think it would be very interesting and complicated with that. Um, and. Again, if we do Sinister Six, I would love to see Mysterio back. Yeah. Uh, and th- and that's the only way I would like to see Mysterio back. But, okay, so you would rather see Lizard, though, come back. I'm a simple man. I want my lizard that actually looks like a lizard. Like, <laughs> I just want it to actually look like what it's supposed to look like. For God's sakes, how do you mess that up? You like, mess it up by per- making everybody a lizard. Ugh. Boo. Don't you want more of that, Potabomb? Don't you want a big satellite dish tower? Oh, yeah. I, I want a lizard that looks like a giant, like the Hulk, <laughs> but with a tail. <laughs> who, they decided to make his face look like a person because the guy who was doing motion capture was so good <laughs> that they had to make his face. Was that a thing they When said? he's literally called, Yeah. They're like, oh man, he's like, you can see so, like, he uses his face so much that we just had to include that. I was like, he's a giant lizard. Let him be a giant lizard, for God's sakes. You can, like, you look, take cues from it. If he looks like he, like, moves his brow in a certain way, make the giant lizard head move it that way. But don't make him, like, don't be lazy like oh you did. God. Just, like, give him a tail and terrible claws. Oh like, God. God. Take all the interesting parts away from the lizard villain and then do that. Yikes. I don't care if he talks like a five-year-old and, like, or Flash Thompson gets bit by a radioactive lizard and turns into the Instagram <laughs> lizard. I want it. All right, folks. 
I think that's enough of us trying to figure out what the next movie's gonna be. We'll see you for the next MCU movie. Who knows when that's gonna happen, but we'll see you then. We'll see you for something else, too, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we'll get into other details of other shows, but for now, I'm still Kirk Peterson. I'm still Alex. This has been Pots V. Pete's. The Marvelous Morons. See you next time, folks. Excelsior.